welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. It's a great example of up and out. You know, they didn't just go up to the upper room. For those who know the story, it's in Acts 2. You know, the disciples, they went up to the uh, upper level, next level, and then revival hits and the Spirit of God moves, but they didn't just stay in the room. They went out. And in Acts 2, it says, and 3,000 people became believers that day. The intention is always to move to the next level, to move up, and then to go out. Um, Because God, God is all about growth. That's a God thing. Rachel will say often to me, she's like, John, the portion you start with is not the portion you end with, (laughs) all right? It's not the portion you start with that you keep it. You're meant to end up with more because when God touches your life, growth is a part of God. You can't help it. Uh, In fact, the whole kingdom of heaven is about growth. In Isaiah 43, verse 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. But what's the point of having a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert? Uh, Why does it need those things? Very simply, so it can be inhabited. All right, so people can live there. I mean, it looks pretty, nice pretty road, nice river, fantastic. But ultimately, it's so the area can grow, make it livable by people. Over the years, I've had a really lovely experience of flying over the middle of Australia to some different places. Uh, And it's basically just hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of red dirt. Has anyone ever done it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) For those who didn't hear that, my wife's like, she knows where this is going now. She's like, we're still doing it. Rachel wants to go for a drive through the middle of Australia. (laughs) I told her, just go get a bucket of red dusty dirt, stare at it for about 10 hours, and it's the same experience. Baby, we'll even hold hands. It's like looking at our bucket of dirt. <laughs> Look, if there was better roads than a river going through the middle of Australia, sure, then we could see towns, we could see growth, provision, farming, and agriculture because the areas of the desert would be able to grow. So God doesn't just say, I'm going to build a road and build a river because, hey, it's pretty. It's about up and out, growth, because growth is godly. Now, God's definition of growth is often different than ours. If you really want the full picture, just read it, uh, the book of Jeremiah or about Paul in the Bible. Growth is often a painful experience. So it's not necessarily about having more. But growth is always about being more. Being more. 
about the next level, taking the next step. Uh, we have a next step course available here. No matter what um, level you are at in God, there's another level that you can go to because growth is godly. I've always wondered what the deal is with babies. <laughs> Legitimately. Anyone who's known me long enough will know I've always thought, why? <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very logical and practical thinking. Uh, the best form of reproduction is actually just pure cell division. Yeah. So you imagine this, like, you know, you want, you want another human being in your life, so you just kind of shake and out pops another adult. I mean, really, it, that's actually the perfect way, um, but not perfect way to my understanding, but God's ways are higher than my ways, and I also think it's very kind that God has provided the other way to reproduce. <laughs> All the husbands are like, I love the other way. The women folk and wives, they're like, I like the other way, but I love coffee, and I love chocolate. You can, yeah, you can always tell by the language where the priorities are. Back to the notes. <laughs> anyway, so God, sorry everyone, God made a process of growth, all right? And this is why, because God loves growth. You see the, the love of growth in God in, in plants, in trees, in puppies, yeah, we have a new puppy, got it for Christmas. You, you should have it. It wheezes everywhere. It keeps us up at night, although lately it's been doing better. And after I'm cleaning up the wee, I think, what is the purpose of this? And God's like, it's okay, I just love to watch things grow. Good for you, God. But he really does. You think about the universe. The universe is expanding at an exponential rate. Why? Because like, I like to watch things grow. And, you know, it's like there's um, clouds of gas and they're creating stars and other planets. And it's like, why? And God's like, because I love to watch things grow. Even when we can't see it. God sees it at a microscopic level that you will never see, and he sees it at a universal level that we'll also probably never see it in this lifetime. But God sees it, and he just loves it. In Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word they created is bara. Bara doesn't just mean click these fingers and things were created. It also means fattened and fattened. Filled and expanded because God loves growth. Um, and very quickly, we just had a Christmas, right? And at our place, we decided to go all out and we got this giant six meter jumping castle with two slides into a pool. We hired it for the afternoon and we invited the kids over. Crazy, huge, heaps of fun. Anyway, like I said, we had neighbours over and our family, and someone said to me after it, they said, so how are you going to top it next year? <laughs> I'm 
like, I'm not. Then I'm like, you know, something God's in a growth. So yeah, we have to now, don't we? So point number one. Oh, sorry, the title of today's message is Level Up, for those who like notes. Yeah, Level Up, because that's what this is all about. Uh, point one is just grow. In Matthew 25, verses 14 to 28, there's a story about three men, and God gives these men talents. He gives five to one of them. He gives two to another one and one to another one. And then the master goes away. After he gave the talents to these three men, he goes away for a while, and when he comes back, he expects more from them. He expects growth from them. So I'll read from verse 19. It says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and bought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's that joy of the Lord thing again. Uh, He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Two, I will make you ruler over many things. Interesting that the guy who had five that doubled it, ruler over many things, God said the exact same words to the person who had two. Yeah. Um, Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have, what is yours? But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming... I would have at least received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him who has one and give it to him who has 10 talents. And I read this and I think, do I really want more responsibility? (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) Businesses, kids, new puppy. Sounds exhausting. (laughs) But interesting, something, if you ever had the pleasure um, and the wonderful honour of even just sitting under the late Pastor Sam Gunser, even for an hour, one of his statements that I've never forgotten that he uh, told us as a leadership team a couple of years ago, he said, more responsibility is the reward, not the curse. That's a bitter pill to swallow, though. (laughs) But it's the reward. Because God is growth. He loves growth. So he doesn't see responsibility as the curse at all. He sees it as the reward. Even in Matthew 13, verse 31, 
It says, another parable, he, that's Jesus, put forward to them, the people listening. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is indeed the least of all the seeds. Sometimes I'm pretty happy and think that I'm the least of all the seeds. I've got that, that's all good. But he plants it. And when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. So that, so, not just to become a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The purpose of growth is about you and me being more than you are today or yesterday and strong enough to carry birds and their nests. That's people and the community around you to offer them a place of safety, a place where they can rest, a safe place to rest, where they can raise other little bubba birds. I don't know about you, but birds are noisy, so noisy, and nests are so messy. Years ago, Rachel and I, we lived, when we were first married, we lived in this little place, and right outside our bedroom window, you remember this baby? Yeah, right outside our bedroom window was this tree. And in this tree, it was the favorite place for crows to land. Yeah, 5 a.m. every morning. Hank, Hank. Let me tell you, after a while, I got so mad, I wanted to burn the tree to the ground with the birds in it. I was just like, can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> but you know, God's just like, it's okay, it's noisy, it's messy. Grow. Hold. <laughs> I know. You, because when, when you hold the birds of the air in the nest, you have literally become the ruler of many. Think that through. Because there's reliance there. You're the place of safety. You're the place for them to feel rest. Okay, point number two, growth by layers. Now, no one's born perfect. <laughs> Everyone has a journey which can be understood, I think, best by the good old tabernacle in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, now, the temple that everyone talks about, that's great. Love the temple. God loves the temple. But I'm a massive fan of the tabernacle. Right. You know, other gods, they had temples. But our God was like, no, thank you, tent. I like tents too. Yeah. I don't like to camp. <laughs> I don't like camping at all. So I don't want to fool you guys. No, it's a terrible idea, camping. <laughs> Especially when there's so many really nice motels and with pools around. <laughs> Anywho, I digress. But God loves tents because tents often represent our lives. In Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 3, it says, Enlarge in the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, which is grow, stretch, and strengthen your stakes. For you, shelter me, God willing, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now that sounds like outback, red, dusty Australia. There are four layers of cloth in the tabernacle. And this is what I mean by 
layers, the journey. Um, in Exodus 26, you, 26, if you want to read it, it goes through the four layers. Am I doing that? Sorry. The very first layer was an outer covering. I want to go through this because this is really our journey in God. There were four layers. Okay, now the outer layer was skin. Uh, some scholars believe that it was either marine animal, like they include dolphins, some people are like dolphin skin. The desert, where did they get dolphins from? That aside, they believe it's a marine animal or a badger, okay? But here's the interesting part. It was an unclean animal. See, everyone thinks the tabernacle was like this glorious place and everything was beautiful and clean. No, no, the outer layer was a completely unclean animal. The layer under that was skin, was skin of a goat, but it was blood red, a little bit like this color, right, crimson. So blood red, crimson, skin. The covering under that, okay, so you got the top one that was the unclean skin, the one under that uh, was skin that was dyed blood red. The one under that was hair, goat hair. And a lot of scholars believe that it was black goat hair, heaps. Uh, I'll get through that in just a minute, but black goat hair, weird. And the fourth covering, so the one that you would have seen as you walked in, that was pure white linen. That was the canvas for blue and purple and scarlet threads, okay? So very decorative and bright on the inside. So what does this have to do with our journey? Well, firstly, we all begin unclean. In fact, the outer skin of the tabernacle was waterproof. That's why they think it was maybe a dolphin, but it would have probably been a badger. But it was waterproof, which is interesting because we often begin our unclean life unwilling to absorb the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Unclean, don't need your Holy Spirit, I'm reflecting. Now we start. But the next layer under the unclean skin is that blood, red, crimson skin, the goat. Uh, and blood, red, crimson often means two things. Firstly, our sins are often red as crimson, but that's why the blood of Jesus covers that, which brings us to the hair that was beneath that. Black hair. Hair often in the Old Testament represents covenant because we are born into a covenant of death and sin, but it's covered by the blood. It's covered by the red. You wouldn't even see it, actually. You would never see that black goat hair between the blood, the blood red skin, and the layer below it, which was the perfect white linen with, get this, royal colors. You know, it was the canvas for um, purples and scarlets and all that, but a lot of royal colors. Because as Jesus says, that journey as you go through, you become a ruler of many. Now, the very heart of the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. So many secrets about the Ark of the Covenant. Pretty, pretty cool. I want to tell you one of these today. Firstly, for those who are new, I think I've talked about this a few years ago, but the Ark of the Covenant in Hebrew, the word there, Ark, is Aron. Aron means coffin. The very first time you see the word Aron is the coffin of Joseph. 
So we're like, oh, it's a lovely ark. And it's like, well, what does ark mean? That's oh, a box. No, the word is coffin. Why would God put at the center of the tabernacle a coffin of the covenant? Well, you have to have a look at what was placed in or near it. There were three items. There was manna, right? The jar of manna was placed near it, sometimes on it, in it. Uh, there was the branch of righteousness, okay? So Aaron's staff, it was dead, and then it became alive, uh, sprouted almond flowers, and they put that in and all around it as well. And the third one was the Ten Commandments, because the Ark of the Covenant, the coffin of the covenant, represents the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus is the bread that fell from heaven, like manna. Jesus is the branch of righteousness, dead and yet becomes alive. Jesus is the word of God, the Ten Commandments. So it is a process from unclean through the covering, the full covering of the blood that conquers over our covenant of death and sin so that we can enter into purity, holiness, and move right into where the heart of all of this starts, which is Jesus. Point number three, grow slow, but do grow. Uh, People don't like the sound of that. We hate to grow slow. (laughs) I do. But trees grow, they very rarely grow overnight. In Proverbs 13, verse 11, it says, Wealth gained by haste, uh, by gaze, uh, sorry, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Uh, the word hastily in Hebrew is habel, it means without substance. So if you just gain wealth and there's no substance in your life, it goes away. Yeah. But we just want instant wealth. I don't know if you know this, but there is a Sudden Wealth Institute in America. It's a counseling, um, it's a counseling institute company, and it counsels people who have won the lotto or have come into sudden wealth because 70%, there's higher statistics, but majority agree, 70% of people who win the lotto are much worse off by the end of it. Completely broke, lives destroyed. So there's an institute in America to help people with that. Because there's no substance there. There's no strengthening. There's no growing into the person that can hold that kind of wealth. Uh, The Bible talks about this in Exodus chapter 23 as well. Verses 29 to 30. Uh, this, This passage in Exodus 23 is God speaking to the Israelites. He's just taken them out of Egypt. They've done the whole desert thing for a while. And he's about to take them into the promised land. And this is what he says to them. Because in the promised land, there's a whole stack of enemy, super wicked people. We're talking ISIS on steroids. And God is saying to the Israelites, I'm going to remove them. And you can have the land and all the houses and everything that are already there. So he's going to give you the promised land. Great. But he says to the Israelites, before they get to go into the promised land, in verse 29, it says, but, but I will not 
drive them, the enemy, out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. There's that little by little part again. Until you have increased, grown enough to take possession of the land. The God's like, I'm going to do this slowly so that it doesn't overcome you. So God's plan for growth is often so slow that we barely even know it's happening and it's super frustrating. But we have some unlearning to do and we have some relearning to do and some growing to do little bit by little bit so that we are not overcome by difficulty. And finally, and if the musicians could come up, that'd be great. The kingdom of heaven is all about growth, even if it's just interest. Maybe your interest is reading the Bible a little bit more often, praying, trying that fasting thing, maybe tithing. It could be as simple as a smile to someone that you walk past and you think, I wonder if that person has been seen today or yesterday. In fact, I wonder if their whole week or their whole life is just not being seen. So today, I'm going to flash them a smile, look them in the eye. It's going to confuse them. They're going to be like, what was that about? But I've, I've seen you. Maybe that, that's your interest. Maybe that's all you can return. Faith. Faith is more. Anyone who asks God for faith can receive faith because God gives faith. If you don't have faith and then you get faith, that's more. In fact, we do not believe for things we already have. You know, if I have a car, I don't need to believe for a car. I've got a car. I could probably believe for a nicer car. But faith, the actual, actual definition of faith is to want more. To believe for more. Salvation for, is more. You're lost. You have, well, you feel like there's no purpose in your life. God can meet that need. You grant salvation. And then you begin your journey. Because God is about growth. God is about more. More in your life. God is the God of growth. I want you to hear this, especially there are some people last year, um, this, or even this week, this is the ways of God, and sometimes they're very difficult, so I just want you to listen. God is the God of growth, even when you see everything around you crumbling, and you feel like your world is getting smaller. You just need to have faith. And know that God is good. And just obey. And just keep believing. I want to give you an example. And the reason why I want to give you an example is because it's Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God is the exact opposite. God gives. He doesn't steal. Why would he steal? Everything belongs to him. 
He gives life. He doesn't need to wipe you out, but he wants to give you life and he builds. But if you don't trust in the goodness of God, you may fall victim to believing that God is Satan sometimes in your life. When things are getting smaller, I want to give you an example. Stay with me. This is in Leviticus 14, verse 34 and 43 to 45, okay? So Leviticus 14, verse 34 says this. This is God again speaking to the Israelites as they're about to go into the promised land. I already explained. There was enemies in the promised land. God's saying to them, I'm about to wipe them out. But I want you to take the promised land little bit by little bit. And God says to them, when you have come into the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, which I will give you as a possession, and I put a leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession. Like, wait, what? I I thought you just said, God, that you were giving me this land as the promised land, and you've, you've just said that you're going to strike some houses down with leprosy. He didn't even say, oh, and if that house has leprosy. No, God says, uh, and I, and if I put a leprous plague in a house. Anyway, the chapter continues, and it's about how the priests are going to try and fix the situation. You know, they're going to scrape the stones. They're going to put new plaster. They're going to get rid, try and get rid of the plague as much as they can, which is great. But I'm still wondering why God puts the plague in the house in the first place. Promised land? Plague. And it gets worse. In Leviticus 14, 43 to 45. So you've tried your best, all right? They've scraped, replaked, let the whole lot. Now, if the plague comes back, this is uh, 43 to 45, and breaks out in the house, after he has taken away the stones and after he's scraped the house, and after it's plastered, which means after you think that you have fixed it. And the priests come and look, and indeed the plague has spread in the house. In other words, nice try, but you failed. Well, then it's an active leprosy in the house. The house is unclean, and you shall break the house down, You shall get rid of its stones, its timber and the plaster, and you have to carry that entire house dismembered and broken outside to an unclean place. Man, there are some people here, honestly, and I think this is part of every Christian walk at some point, where you feel like God has cursed you and your stones have been broken down and your house is being removed, and you're like, God, isn't this meant to be the promised land? I'm a believer, and you're smashing everything down. To be honest, you're kind of messing things up, God. (laughs) Tearing down my walls, breaking up my hardened heart of stone. You're the God who claims to give, but you're taking it all away. Well, people, let me tell you what the historical documentation says, okay? So there's a whole stack of Jewish documentation about this, so stay with me. Remember, this was enemy land to start off with, and God had driven out the enemy. 
and they were in the promised land in homes. So what they found was this. Often, often, whenever they had a house that God himself had apparently struck down with a plague, as they're tearing down the walls and ripping out the beams and taking out the plaster, they would find the treasure that the enemy had hid in the walls. The treasure that the enemy had expected to come back and get. In fact, the previous people hid tons of gold, jewelry, but God, God saw inside. He saw the treasure inside the walls. And it's only revealed when the walls come down and the stones are taken away. Sometimes we have to be broken to rebuild, to find the gold in the walls because God sees the gold and the treasure in you and God is the God of growth. He wants to build you up, but unfortunately sometimes we have to unlearn, relearn, be broken, be rebuilt. And how do we grow? In John 15, 14, Oh, sorry, John 15, 4 to 5, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Because everything God touches grows. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered because we die without God. We breathe him in. We breathe him out. He is our full life. Without him... We just wither and die. And those that have withered and died are gathered up and thrown into the fire where they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I like this part. And by this, by the fact that you've got growth, by the fact that you have interest in your life, by the fact that you have fruit, that you've grown and now there's birds and the nests. It says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I don't know about you, but last year was a challenging year. <laughs> Many people, and maybe it still is, but abide. Abide in Him, and the fruit will come, and the breaking and the tearing might occur, but keep believing. Don't just believe and hope that God is good. No, God is good. God is good. Maybe today you haven't even started this journey. Maybe you're on the outside. And you've been repelling the call of God and the purposes of God in your life. And 
you're just that outside, unclean skin, and you're thinking, whoa, if I thought when I walked into the church, it was going to collapse on me. Oh, glory to God. No, that's where you start. Everyone starts there, everybody. Level up. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like to give anyone the opportunity right now. If that's where you're at, if you're thinking, need to start my journey, I need the next level where the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse my sin, where it's going to cover this covenant of death and sickness that's in my life. Bring me into the next level. Purity and holiness and forgiveness. Oh, to have my conscience clean. Thank you through the blood of Jesus. If that's you, just, just for a moment, place your hands up, your hand up. I'll just have a look to see if there's anyone who's like, yes, I want to, I want to begin my journey today. I want to start this change and move through. Give everyone just a little bit more time. That's wonderful. Beautiful. Okay, praise God.